Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It was Christmas Eve, babe. In the drunk tank. Welcome to Surf Stories, the podcast brought to you by Florida Surf Film Festival. My name is Kevin Miller. It's a real pleasure to have Richie Fitzgerald on the podcast today. We recorded it a few days ago and wanted to get it up as soon as possible. It's uh, full of holiday cheer and great stories about the folks who made their way through Bandoran, Ireland to surf and film and Richie's own film project. Um, he's just a great talker and, uh, I can't say enough good things about Richie. You'll hear me gush the whole podcast. So just wanted to get this up as soon as possible. Enjoy the podcast. Have a great holiday and, uh, we'll see you on the other side. I love you, baby. I can see a better time when all our dreams come true. A talker on our hands, John. So his name is Richard Fitzgerald. He goes by Richie. And he's yes. from Bandoran, Ireland, the northwest of Ireland, as he says, and plenty of waves there. And recently, I suppose two years ago, moved to Australia to do the family thing. I guess you have in-laws nearby. That always helps. Yeah, I've, uh, my, my wife is from Melbourne, which is in the state of Victoria. Uh, it's the south part of Australia. So and we've been together for 16 years. And we always said when our children are young, we would give them the Australian experience for a while. And uh, that's where we've been for the last few years. There's nothing really forcing us or making us leave the northwest, the beautiful northwest of Ireland and the waves. And, you know, I'm a business there, but it was just something, something different. We're a little bit like that. My wife and I, we don't, uh, we're, we're not too um, nervous or held back when it comes to decisions like so. We just go try something new you know, take a punt and see where we end up. And it's been, it's been fun here, but yes, my wife has family here. So that's helped a lot. And, uh, you know, it took a while to adjust the first couple of years here. It's, it's very, it's similar, but different, as I said to John earlier before, before we came on air and, you know, it's culturally quite similar to, to Britain and Ireland here, uh, same language and, you know, a lot of the same stuff. They like their cricket and football here too. Yeah. Um, not, not that we like cricket in Ireland much, but it's very, uh, it's very similar. <laughs> so it wasn't, you know, it's not as if I'm moving to a completely different culture, but you know, we're living in Torquay, which is the surf town, probably most famously known as the home of Bells beach, which is one of Australia's kind of, uh, I suppose, jewel in the crown surf, surf break. So it's not really a hard place to um, relocate to be honest. Oh no. I mean, and, and I believe Brad Gerlach is your neighbor. Is he still your neighbor? 
Yeah, Brad and I moved here at the Brad. I sound very cool there, Brad. Girl, I've, <laughs> no, I've known him, yet, Brad and I, like you know, President Obama and I were chatting the other day. So Brad Gerlach, <laughs> and I, I've known him probably 25, 26 years uh, from him coming over to Ireland, and not hugely close, but we'd definitely be friends. And uh, I think through social media, I can't remember now. About four and a half years ago, I found out he was moving to Torquay. Mm-hmm in Australia just a few a few days after me so we we kind of hooked up when he actually eventually him and his uh, his wife who was heavily pregnant at the time um stayed with me for a few days and on and off until they got set up and he lived down the road on Darien Drive from me now he's moved a little further out the coast but I don't see him so much anymore but he's a good boy he's doing his uh wave key surf coaching and um, his wife is busy and he's got two young kids so his hands are full but he's oh, yeah. still in the water he still rips he's an amazing surfer you know he was former oh man so, yeah, no he's, kidding, a pretty, right? he's, a, he's a pretty cool character I just don't see him as much as I probably should or would like to but I'm telling you my wife and I were talking about that the other day we are with two small kids I mean I think I have friends John you're my friend right and yeah, I mean I have I mean, like we, couple went, of... we went surfing today. Well, I know we did. We uh, <laughs> I'm just like I don't see any people. It's always it sounds like a Seinfeld skit. I don't see any people. I mean, it's literally encompassing all of my life, your life. Um, I don't know, when you get a new dog, it seems like that's the same thing. So there's just uh, a lot going on. You know, you also kind of want to stay away from people these days, and and that's fine too. But tell me how uh, how long did you work in the retail surf business and how thankful are you to be, have been able to just get out of it for a little while? Yeah, it's, you know, that was part of it too. We've had a family business well, in, in Bundoran at home in Donegal in Ireland for you know, 60 years, so long before I was born. And uh, we've had a surf shop there. It was one of the first kind of proper surf shops in Ireland. It's been there since 1990. And so I've worked in that you know, all my life, just varying degrees and eventually took it over, you know, completely. We added a surf school and we have a really cool surf cafe there as well. So, you know, it sounds idyllic, but it can, you know, like any, like any work, especially when it's uh, you're self-employed and it's all the onus is on you. So it's nice to have been able to step back from that for a while. We have fantastic staff there. A guy called Patrick Timoney who keeps uh, everything afloat when I'm not in Ireland. And we've been able to, to do that successfully so it kind of reinvigorates me up until covid i had been going back to ireland for four months maybe four to five months a year on two two separate trips on on easter and then over the northern hemisphere summer and um, so that's that was always enjoyable still will be hopefully we'll be able to travel internationally soon and um, you know to see all my friends and family i mean i grew up and my whole uh, my whole being is based on on you know bundorn and Donegal and Sligo area and surfing in Ireland I suppose that's what I would have been known for uh, especially in the past maybe not so much now as age creeps in but uh, <laughs> it's it, it's a massive part of my life and uh, I'd never want to be disconnected from it so you know as much as retail is suffering at the moment I think globally and, and especially apparel and surf with you know all the challenges yeah. You know, markets and online and so on and so forth. We've always had that local surf shop vibe, and we we have a lot of services with with it, with rental and surf school and food and accommodation, and as a lot of the surf businesses do in the northwest and in Bundoran. So you have to kind of cover all bases to stay afloat and and keep your eye on the market. It's very important. But at the moment, you know, we've survived 
was touch and go maybe for a while over COVID and we've had various different lockdowns, but, um, you know, just a bit of diligence and, and a bit of, um, just a bit of hard times uh, to get through and we've managed it and we're still there. So that's great. Hopefully, hopefully I'll get back next year. I hope. Yeah, so. Absolutely. Well, I mean, since 1990, obviously you were born there, but um, you know, growing up in what is basically known to surfers as, you know, quite a good place to surf. I mean, people outside of surfing, you know, generally say, surf in ireland you know they don't understand that you can surf in cold water and all that but it is you know like indonesia on some days where i mean obviously a little bit colder but it gets really good and you've been through that whole life cycle of seeing uh maybe not kevin naughton and those guys come through but you know curran came through town and the step into liquid folks came into town the litmus guys came into town and you were there to witness all of these, you know, big projects. And then as a capper, you got to do or take part in the Wave Riders project, which I thought was exceptional. We, we actually tried to show it at our festival and we uh, um, you had gotten called away to a, a last minute thing. I think Billabong or something like that had called you away or somebody. But the fact of the matter is it's a great flick and you know, I'd love to talk about how that thing came into being, but first, you know, tell me about current showing up in your hometown. Yeah. It's uh, it, I, I feel really fortunate. I mean, I do feel lucky. I don't think surfing owes me anything and uh, I owe it a lot. I'm sure. Uh, some, some surfers will have a chip on their shoulder. I'm, I'm afraid it's uh, endemic in the sport sometimes, but uh, I feel I'm very lucky. I saw the evolution of surfing in Ireland and, you know, I, course my generation wasn't the first to has been the first surfer in ireland uh, was joe roddy in 1948 so you know right through to about the 1960s is when it started to kick off but it really wasn't until the 80s and into the 90s that just wetsuit technology had caught up with you know it's different if you can stick on a pair of board shorts and surf but in ireland the wetsuit was a requirement you know 99 percent of the time so to have seen the growth of surfing and uh, the growth of the surf industry in Ireland it was very interesting. I guess in the 90s, which you're referring to, it, it became the, the cause de celeb. Everyone wanted to come to Ireland and, and, you know, shoot their videos there or, you know, make a promotion trip or whatever. So obviously I had the Malloys and, you know, the Fitzgerald brothers, Litmus and all those fantastic kind of late 90s uh, into the early 2000s films were fantastic. You know, Tom Curran, obviously Thomas and Joseph Curran and his father, Patrick <laughs> Curran. I mean, they couldn't be more Irish if they tried, like, like Mick Fanning. Um, <laughs> you know, so they've obviously got like, like whatever it is, 50 million Americans uh, in, have live in the Irish di- diaspora. So, you know, there's a huge Irish connection to the United States, which is 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 play, played out on nearly every medium you, you look. So Curran came through with his dad and his younger brother, Joe. And at the time, it was, you know, late 90s, this was 98, 99. I can't remember the exact year, but he, he's a pretty low-key guy. But obviously, his reputation and his style and his presence and his what he's done for surfing uh, goes before him. So I got to hook up with Curran at Curran or and his brother and I got to surf with them in amazing waves like we have at home we've got big hollow lefts big hollow right handers it's fantastic coastline for surfing so you know it wasn't it's over 20 years ago now so it wasn't as uh, 
you know, busy as it is, Ireland's extremely busy, even up in Donegal, where I live, you know, you just get hundreds and hundreds of people in the water now. It's incredible. But, um, you know, that was a special experience. It's, you know, it's like, you know, Michael Jordan come to your town and you get to play one on one on your local court. You know, there's all these similarities and you could, you could say it about any sports person, but it wasn't lost on me. Um, the importance of that and, uh, you know, it was lovely to see him and, and Pat Curran as well. I remember saying to Pat Curran, oh, I met Mickey Dora once. Mickey Dora lived in Ireland, uh, in Eski. And, uh, you know, I thought that would be a good point of reference. I'll, you know, they're the same, the same vintage. And I thought, this is a good icebreaker with, with um, um, current dad, Pat. And he goes, hey, man. You talk to that asshole. <laughs> I, I was like, all right, I won't talk about Mickey Dora anymore. So, look, I'm, I'm extremely fortunate to have have experienced all of that and, and, you know, met, especially in the 80s and 90s when all those guys were coming through, I suppose, up until about 2006 and then Kelly Slater landed in town. And they still come through, but it's not as, um, you know, it's been done, all the pro surfers now, yeah. like, now you get all the big wave guys coming from Mullockmore, and that's amazing. Just as amazing, I'm slightly detached from that, obviously, now. But, um, you know, to be kind of there for that first, excuse the pun, that first wave of uh, amazing, you know, pro surfers and, and, you know, your Tom Currens and your Tommy Carrolls and so on and so forth coming to Ireland for the first time was uh, something that can't be recreated. And I'm just... I'm very fortunate to to have experienced that and to yeah. got that kind of one on one with with Curran and others and you know I, I there, there's just such a list of of productions and people and photographers and it was right. a who's who for you know I I wouldn't want to bore you for an hour. By well, no, absolutely. But you also entertained my my parents for an hour. I mean, you're that kind of a guy. So it's like you'll you'll go out of your way. First of all, I met you at the expo in, I think, yeah. 2005 or six or something like that. Yeah. And uh, you guys were working on a, a new brand uh, called Irish Surf Culture, um, no longer around. But it was um, nice to meet you at that at that, you know, expo. And I was got your information and I said, hey, I'm swinging through town with my was my ex at the time. And you absolutely opened the door to us, just like you would imagine an Irish you know, house to be. It's yeah. it's exactly that way. You've always been that way with everybody. I can only imagine that the charm rubbed off on current on everybody. But I do recall a little bit of a story about Tom, and I keep bringing it up. But I think it was Pampa, where yeah. you guys had paddled out, and Pampa's no joke. Like I, yeah, it's a left. It's heavy. It's over sharp rocks. And what can you refresh my memory yeah. about that? Pipe pipeline is you know, or Pampa is kind of it's. When it gets to size, it, it breaks very similar to pipeline on the North Shore. It's that kind of similar wave. And, you know, Tom Curran arrived, and no disrespect to him. I'm sure if he ever sees this, he'd be thinking I'm cheeky. But, you know, he <laughs> arrives. That's, you know, it's kind of, it's quite godly having someone like that uh, paddle out to your, to your home break. So, anyway, I met him the first morning, and Pampa Point was probably eight foot bigger. So, you know, it's a proper, I've, I've seen a lot of surfers get wasted there. And uh, <laughs> Karen paddles out. He's he's jet lagged. He's tired. They've driven overnight, and you know he 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 keeps his emotions to himself. But you know we're waxing up, and it's just him and I. And out he paddles. A couple other locals have came out, and uh, you know it's a very it's a very specific um, takeoff point. And 
Kermit paddles out, takes off on his first wave, does a hell drop, and his fins slip out, and he kind of does a, <laughs> a 360 <laughs> mid-face, oh. gets caught in the face, sucked over the falls, smashed, ah, like Papa just absolutely ate him alive. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we're getting a few waves in between, thinking, "Oh, that's that's kind of odd." Oh you know, we're we're the locals, and so what? He's never surfed there before. He's in a wetsuit, he's got his boots on. Second wave, he takes off, bottom turns. It's quite a big suck out on Pampa. Bottom turns, fins slip out again. Oh, up over the falls. <laughs> <laughs> End of Tom Curran. He paddles in, and you know, I didn't see him until that afternoon. He popped into the surf shop, and uh, you know, but we're kind of. Not being overly gleeful, but we're kind of thinking, yeah, man, our our local wave just absolutely smoked on Curran. Like, smoked him. Like, what's that about, man? We, we can surf it better, so we're better than Tom Curran, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then in, in the next day, the swell had dropped. Not that that, you know, Curran, he's got more talent in his little finger than I have in my whole body. But he, uh, you know, it had dropped off to maybe maybe six feet. And um, you know, he could have he could have surfed it at any size, but he'd had a good night's sleep, some foods, you know, some water, and got himself acclimatized. And he came out, and he just he just put on a show. No handed backside barrels on the left, taking Ooh. off two two meters deeper than I've ever taken off at Pampa. So you know, we we had to eat humble pie, I think, after that. But <laughs> what what a what a gracious fellow, you know. I remember him coming in and buying his kids were young at the time, buying them wetsuits in our shop, and. You know, he's just just a humble guy. Just as you say, there's a, I think there's a kind of a humbleness maybe to to the Irish, no matter whether you're born in America or whether you're born in Ireland. And uh, and, and your first point about me being personable, like you know, it's it, that's an Irish trait. You 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 learn to have a social intelligence is very important in Ireland. I would say, you know, I'd say we're one of the most socially intelligent nations in the world. Where it, it, it's just it's just a country that you communicate, you know, you have a drink with people. It doesn't matter whether they are wealthy or of notoriety or whether they're just normal people off the street. You, you're you're kind of uh, expected to communicate. Not everyone. I mean, everyone's not a chatterbox, but it's um, it's definitely uh, um, prized in Ireland to to um, just have a have some kind of social ability and to be able to talk with anyone so that's where that comes from and and growing up in a massive irish catholic family as well it was about yeah. eight eight thousand of us in the house so you have to you have to talk <laughs> talk your way in and out of things and speaking of that side of the uh, family right here we have kathleen hey, miller <laughs> kathleen loyola miller casey kathleen loyola casey miller my mother was a shanahan you know shanahan oh god Hi, those shanahans how are you how's it going today good how are you I, I'm good. I haven't seen you in a long time. That's all you get right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I, I see it in my relatives in South Dakota who, uh, you know, will put you up last minute, put anybody up last minute. It's just uh, the brotherhood of man is alive and well yeah, in Ireland and the plains, just, you know. You know. Uh, and long may continue. I mean, we, we you know, especially now, look at it, even the way we have to conduct these kind of things. And we're getting more and more detached from, I know rightly so at the moment, but the pandemic won't last forever. And, you know, I'm as much on social media and I have Facebook accounts and stuff like that, but I'll always feel, you know, if you're out for dinner or you go around for your friend's house or you meet someone or you go out for a walk or, 
you know, your kids are in the house, you know, your, your mobile devices go away and, you know, you mightn't touch them for six hours. And, you know, hopefully there'll be a plus and a minus to, to this pandemic. It might teach people to be more gracious to each other and to reconnect on a, yeah. on a, a more personable level. So, you know, it, it, it's important I, you know, I, I'm not fatalistic the way everyone's saying, Oh dear, you know, the world is damned and everyone's, you know, just computerized. It'll, it'll balance out somewhere in the middle, but you know, for me, face-to-face contact and, and chatting and, and uh, as we say in Ireland, having the crack, which has nothing to do with drugs. <laughs> <laughs> crack, it's, it's from an Irish word called crackolsha, which means fun. So it's just anglified and you'll hear people in Ireland saying having the crack. So it means just having, having the fun or having the banter or having a good time with someone. Oh, that's right. great. Now I, I actually, uh, this is going to be educational for some people, which is great. <laughs> I have to say a lot of folks who have not considered a surf trip to Ireland uh, you will be faced with people in the water. It was something I wasn't really ready for. It's also, you know, it's not on fire all day long, every day of the year. It no, does I... have its own personality and you want to yeah. kind of, you're going to need to, you're going to need to court that wave for a few trips before you really catch it. Maybe. Yeah. It's, 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 it's growing, you know, exponentially, uh, I suppose in the last 20 years, you know, surfing in Ireland has been around a long time and, you know, it's maybe not to the level you get in France or the Southwest of England, but we we've got extremely high quality waves. So, you know, with a, this between Northern Ireland and, and the Republic of Ireland, I think there's 6.8 million people. So it's not overly populated, but it's quite a big population for an Island. And there's surf the whole way around, especially the Northwest and South coast. A few years ago, there was, you know, it's a very hard thing to, to kind of um, benchmark how, how many surfers there are in, in a country is a surfer, someone who does <laughs> one surf lesson, or is it someone who surfs every day? It's like asking how many soccer players there are. Is a soccer player someone who kicks a ball around against their garage door with their kids at night or plays for a professional team? So, you know, to, to, to work out how many surfers there are anywhere or globally is a very hard thing to yeah, do. Right. There was an estimated 200,000 surfers in Ireland. Plus wow. you've got wow. a huge, you've got a huge amount of um, people coming in from Europe, especially the UK, you know, France, Portugal, and then, you know, with the big wave thing attracts people. So Look at a can. I've seen a thousand people out on my local beach. No problem with surf lessons, surf rentals, people, you know, on a hot, sunny day. But you also turn up, you know, off season. Maybe it's not so good. And, you know, you're, you're scurrying around for people to surf with. But it's the same here. I mean, I live just a stone's throw from Bells Beach. And there's days there is hundreds of people everywhere. And then you go down to the beachfront the next day and it might be on Monday morning. The weather might be good or it could be a bit big, could be a bit small. And, you know, you might have it to yourself or, you know, there's just a sprinkling of, of surfers. So it's not quite Sao Paulo or Rio de Janeiro or one of these pressurized city on the beach where you surf. But Ireland's definitely and it's, the standard has gone up. I mean, you just look at guys like Conor Maguire, Garage McDade. Oh, yeah. I mean, those guys are as good as, as anyone. I mean, no Conor's as good as anyone. And, and Garage is probably pound for pound the best surfer of his age in Europe at the moment. So, Not you know, so to bad. me, my, my, my heart beats with pride when I see that. And <laughs> I just see that. I just see the standard going up and people say, why is Ireland, why hasn't it produced any CT surfers yet? There's been a few like Kane Kilcullen was certainly good enough to be on the CT. He came up with uh, Jeremy Flores had a, a four and one record against him in European competition, but 
you know, it's not for everyone. And, you know, we obviously had Fergal Smith a few years ago. So there, you know, there's these little explosions of, of um, talent surfers, either from Clare or, you know, Donegal or Sligo or Waterford or whatever, you know, all these different surf towns. But it's building slowly. I think we suffer a little bit of the South African thing in, in Ireland because the waves are so good. A lot of guys don't want to leave home. Uh, you know, you see it in, in South Africa. You go to South Africa and it's jam-packed full of the best surfers you've ever seen. But very few of them are on the tour because they don't want to leave J-Bay or Cape Town or wherever. And in Ireland, we have that. Uh, you know, we, in Bundoran is is the standards every bit as good as you'd see in most places, probably outside of Queensland or parts of Southern California. Like, it's an amazingly high standard to what it was 20 years ago. Um, but a lot of guys, if they can eke a living uh, doing, you know, maybe having sponsors or having, a, you know, their own business or working, you know, they're surfing world-class waves and, you know, slightly outside of maybe the focal point of global surfing. They're away from California or France or Australia. Um, so they just want to stay there. And, and But it is, it is happening at the moment. And, like, I, I'm quite in tune with, the younger generation, the kind of eight-year-olds to 12-year-old kids at, at home, and because a lot of their parents or friends of mine, and mark my words, in the next five or six years, there is one or two unbelievably good surfers, junior, under 14s, under 12s, and under 10 surfers, probably a few in each category that are, I would be really surprised if there wasn't one or two pushing for that European, certainly QS standard, into CT and with yeah. Garage leading the way, you know, it's, um, it, it's looking good at the moment, but certainly Ireland is crowded, but it's not crowded all of the time. And yeah, it's like anywhere. You just need to be, you know, you just need to be respectful. It's not, you know, right. unfortunately a few travelers think they're going to come to Ireland and everyone's a kook on a longboard. I mean, that's, that's not the case you've got. Yeah, I know. Kidding. I mean, you, you just got don't... a lot of, you got a lot of surfers there and you got a lot of overseas surfers living there and, you know, as I say, if you just if you relax and you're personable in Ireland, and if you meet some of the local boys in the pub, stand your round, buy them a round of drink, and the world is your oyster. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the last thing you want to do at the point in Bandoran is give Handsome Frank the eye. Apparently, I, I've heard that is not a good move. I don't know if yeah, Handsome well, Frank's uh, even around anymore. But <laughs> uh, no, no, Handsome Frank's a good lad. His, his real name is Francis McGlone. He's a good friend of mine. He, he, he's a couple of years older than me. He was in my brother's class in school. And, you know, um, he's a long-time Bundoran local. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you do get frustrated, you know. you And you, you paddle out and there's 60 guys in the water. And, yeah. you know, so Frankie barks, but, you know, if you've, uh, I bark the old time, but it's just. I just love the name reality. Handsome Frank. Handsome the Frank. Handsome well, he's, Frank. An ex- he's an extremely dashingly good-looking man. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think he, I think he dislikes the the name Handsome Frank, but I think secretly he likes it. But now Frankie, when I'm at home, he's one of my best friends, and I enjoy him. He's an extremely uh, plugged-in guy. He's articulate and he's smart, um, but he doesn't take any prisoners on on the peak. And you know, sometimes you need you need a sheriff in the water and. You know, I, we're talking here in the Florida uh, Surf Film Festival and, you know, for his reputation to have, uh, you know, gone out that far is pretty cool. I'd say he'd be, <laughs> yeah. he'd be, he'd be stoked if he sees this, you know. But, yeah, um, yeah look at that, you know. I, I had Johnny Boy Gomes give me a world of 
expletives ah. at, at Pipeline Monday. So, you know, every, everywhere has got their, has got their local. And um, yeah. Frankie is, Frankie's just one of ours, but he's a top boy. So. Well, it's wonderful yeah. to see you. Go ahead, John. You have a question? Sorry, I was John. just going to say, speaking of that, you know, um, you, uh, you've been, like, like you said before, you, you weren't the first surfer in Ireland by a long stretch, but you definitely have kind of uh, lived through a really exponential growth period. And in a lot of ways, you're responsible for that, I think. Um, you know, your family had the first surf shop there. And um, is that difficult for you to, you know, go from surfing, you know, Mullagmore with you and a buddy or by yourself and, and then you go nowadays and it's super crowded? Or are yeah. you kinda, are you stoked on it, or are you just, or is it difficult? Or no, no, of course. Like it's it's you know it can be if you let it get in you, it could be the bane of your life. I I don't yeah. know if I had of you know been less progressive with my what I'm doing with the business with all the rest of it. Woods like wood surfing have developed the way it did. I do think it would have developed possibly slightly differently and maybe not at the rate like i i can't take responsibility there's people like you know john mccarthy in in um and fergal smith down in clare and you know andy hill on the north coast and there's, there's loads of surfers in each town that right are business orientated or had you know a, a high profile the way i did um look at this one of those things you know the only constant is change so it, as much as i love history and love looking backwards surfing in ireland it was caught up with the economic the celtic tiger the growth of surfing growth of board sports in europe was huge at the time quicksilver you know their global headquarters was and is was in saint-jean-de-luz in france and you know there's all these factors and you had curran living there and you know maurice cole and you know gary elkerton had moved to france so you know all of that kind of built this euro force and and ireland of course we were part of that for a lot of different reasons wetsuit technology and you know so on and so forth um look there's times you you look you look at the past through you know rose tinted sunglasses and you you think god i wish it was the good old days but you can't go back and live them and yes there's times when i look at you know some of our certain waves at home and i go god i remember when i was myself and gabe davies or myself and grant robinson or whoever it was where usually the mainstays out there and now I wouldn't recognize any faces in the mob, but look at it is what it is. Um, there was certain um, environmental issues in Bundoran as well. There was $150 million uh, put aside for a marina project in the mid nineties where, you know, our, our town was not, not what you would think either on land or in the sea, a, a marina town, but still we were terrified that it was going to be spent on this white element elephant of a project. And it would be this like, like what's happened in, in uh, Jardim del Mar in Madeira, where they've built yeah. this crazy Harbor and nobody uses it and the wave is ruined. So we kind of had something similar to that. So it was a little bit of that um, behind my, and push to recognize Bundorn or Donegal or the northwest of Ireland as a, as a global surf spot because, you know, when you're talking to big business, you have to put a monetary dollar on what surfing is worth. It's, it's you know, when you're talking to councils and corporations, it's great saying, oh, well, it's a perfect barrel and, oh, the waves are awesome and why would you do that? You actually have to show that there is monetary value and if you leave the surf the way it is, it in the long term is going to be worth X amount of money to the town area and promotion, marketing, you know, heads on beds, whatever it is, 
Um, but if you destroy it and put in, you know, urbanize the coastal mm. environment too much, you can never get it back again. So th- I'm not trying to legitimize all the stuff that I did, but there was, there was reasons, you know, I was younger at the time. God, I loved seeing myself in a magazine and, you know, yeah, I was that- in all these cool films and, you know, I was the man at Mullock Moore and myself and Gabe Davies and we were being lauded high up and low down. And, you know, we were the boys kind of pushing big wave surfing in Europe. So of course I have no regrets. I look back on it, John, you know, you're always going to look back and go, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So it's progressed anyway. And I, I've looked on places that aren't, you know, maybe on the Southeast coast of Ireland that aren't automatic um, places you would think of epic surf and surfing has just developed there regardless oh, nice. in rural areas and you see suppers and canoers and surf schools popping up. So it was coming anyway. Um, I'm glad I lived through it and I'm glad yeah. that, uh, I'm glad that I was young and I was able to surf all these waves without them being well known or some of them weren't even surfed. So it's something that I'll, uh, you know, I'll always be grateful. I'm always thankful to where I grew up. I can't imagine having a better upbringing and uh, the waves I got to surf and uh, thankful to surfing. You know, I, it doesn't owe me anything. I owe it. Yeah. It came, I, I think I, we all. I think we all do. Yeah. 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 And it came so it's through. A good question. Uh, well, we're a, fir- we're a surf film festival, so and it, it came through in the movie Wave Riders. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. How did it start? Yeah, Wave, Wave Riders is a project that probably spanned back to, it was released in 2008, but it goes back to about 2007, where the director was a, a very bohemian Dublin surfer called Joel Conroy, and uh, him and I kind of hooked up on a small, um, very initial project for Red Bull, and then we did a, a, a project for Irish television called Eye of the Storm, which was featured myself and Gabe Davies, which was released, filmed in 2001, 2002, but released in 2003. And it was just a 45 or 25 minute little expose on myself and Gabe. And, you know, we, we brought in the first tow board, the first jet ski in Ireland and, you know, just trying to work all like how long is the tow rope? You know, it was, <laughs> you know, like, what, you know how, all this kind of carry on. So yeah. it, it was very innocent when I, I actually watched it there. Uh, Joel sent it to me. And it's the first time in, I suppose, 80, well, about 16 years since I've seen it. Um, so Joel and I, you know, obviously stayed in contact as friends and as surfers. And Joel had, you know, with Margot Harkin and a few other people involved and Gabe and Gabe Davies and Lauren Davies and myself came up with, you know, a story of George Freeth, who is an Irish immigrant who was, it was very um, important in the development of lifeguarding and surfing in the United States and Hawaii. And we, we just told it, you know, we kind of had his story and then myself and Gabe, our story is the two main driving forces and just the people we met and, you know, traveling from Ireland to California to Hawaii, coming back and then eventually surfing these massive waves. Well, they were massive at the time mm-hmm. uh, at more as kind of the crescendo of the film. And, you know, I think it, it held a record for, you know, the, the biggest wave surfed in Europe for a, a few years. It was maybe 40, 50 feet. And it was myself, Al Meany, uh, Gabe, Duncan Scott, a South African guy. And um, so it was just the four of us out there surfing that day. So it was an amazing day. It was, you know, when you get to do a film for the BBC uh, and it, you know, won all sorts of, it won the, the kind of, um, I guess, the Irish Emmys for documentary film of the year, the IFTAs they're called. And, you know, nice. it got, um, Surfer Magazine, I think it got a uh, heavy water session of the year in Surfer Magazine. And, you know, it did the, the film festivals and, you know, got loads of accolades and loads of awards. And, 
it was great to be part of that. Killian Murphy narrated it, who's famous now for Peaky Blinders. And, you know, you two gave uh, free songs, the soundtrack. So there was this kind of good Irish connection. That had nothing to do with me. That was all Joel. So apart <laughs> from the surfing on screen, you know, it was it was a very Irishy um, production. And that, that, you know, sent out a, a message around the world, I think, in some ways uh, of how Ireland was. But at the time and it, you know how it was in the past. But one of the things I would say is we were really lucky. I reckon even a year after the filming of Wave Riders, we wouldn't have been able to do it because Mullock Moore became so big and people had iPhones and you know YouTube and social media was starting to come out. We wouldn't have been able to keep a lid on it because we surfed that big session and Wave Riders probably wasn't released for almost a year later. So right. no photos sneaked out because there wasn't that many people. Now you get a couple of thousand people watching Mullock Moore. Back then, there was only a sprinkling of people. So a lot of the stuff now, I don't, you know, would be on YouTube in 30 seconds later. And that's the way the world and, you know, everyone broadcasts themselves. So I don't know would a film like that uh, work anymore or would it be possible to even shoot anymore? Um, so it was a lucky, it was a moment in time. I got to, you know, make a film with Gabe Davies, uh, my, one, one of my best mates, uh, I grew up surfing with him. He's a fantastic big wave surfer from the northeast of England, Newcastle. You know, Kelly Slater was in it and all these guys. So, you know, who's going to say no to that? I'd still oh, yeah. say yes. I don't, yeah. think wanna, I don't think they want me in it now. <laughs> but who'd say no to that? You know, well, and gotta it, be it was some, fantastic. You worked hard on it. And, and there's got to be some great memories of that experience. And in Joel's background was a documentary filmmaker already. So he carried a lot of weight into the project. And to choose surfing as a topic in Ireland was a really cool compliment and to have you involved I mean I couldn't wait to see it and uh, it really turned out great I, I have uh, nothing but respect for you guys for taking on that project it really turned out great I'd love to show it even at some yeah. point in the future yeah. uh, at our festival and have you there I think oh I'd love to do it maybe the 10-year anniversary but there you go I, I, I think it's yeah. a, um Oh no, more it costs more than ten years, isn't it? Twenty. Uh, Twenty year. Yeah, it'll be no. <laughs> I, I'm not. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe now. Hopefully next year. But um, yeah, Joel is. You know, he's a, he's an extremely uh, with it character, and uh, you know, he incorporated, you know, poetry from W. B. Yeats. William Butler Yeats is probably one of Ireland's. Uh, who, who knows? The Sligo okay. man. Yeah, Sligo man from our area. You know, Ireland's got so many good writers from Seamus Heaney to James Joyce and everyone in between and before and around. And so it's hard to select one out but because Yeats was uh, from the northwest of Ireland, you know, just poetry and literature. And, you know, he, he did incorporate a lot of that into it, which is important because it's very, uh, you know, it's very important, especially to our coastline. I, I was telling a friend of mine here in Australia, uh, you know, you go surfing on the outskirts of Bundoran. You know, there's a Viking tower here. There's a Norman castle there. There's Neolithic ruins here. You know, it's just incredible. There's just centuries of history and, you know, archaeology laid out in front of you uh, because it hasn't been heavily industrialized. So to me, when I look at our coastline, it still looks more, it, it would look more in place, someone standing with a broadsword than a surfboard. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, so it, 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 you know, it wasn't cheesy and, you know, it, it is representative of the area. And, uh, you know, I, I think Rave Riders, I mean, now what the boys are riding in Mullock Moor and, you know, it's progressed 12, 13 years ago. 
um, so much, but it does stand the test of time. It was shot on film, so it wasn't video. And there's a lot of uh, art house attention put into Wave Riders, which I think, notwithstanding the surfing, still holds up today as a, as a pretty cool documentary film that, that's got a lot of interest in it. So How did I it feel just, screening that in Dublin, at the Dublin Film Festival? How did that feel when you got to put it in front of a live audience? Yeah, it was really good. I mean, myself and Gabe got to do a two-week kind of promo tour. We were on the kind of the Jay Leno of Ireland and, uh, you know, we're on all these <laughs> talk shows and we're pretty grinded fellows, though. Um, but it wasn't lost on us. There were celebrities there and, you know, you, you're, you're kind of the toast of the town for a couple of days, if not weeks. And to be able to put it on and, you know, it was Cineworld, I think, on Parnell Street, which is a famous street in Dublin. And, you know, having packed out audiences and, you know, doing q and I mean, some people would be all, would be very falsely humble and oh, it was okay. It was that, to me, it was awesome, man. I loved every second of it. Yeah. It was fantastic. Uh, yeah, tell, so, tell me someone who doesn't want to, but it was, you know, myself and Gabe aren't, you know, we're, we're, we've got our heads screwed on. So we really enjoyed it. I mean, I did know it was, you know, I'm not a, a Hollywood screen actor and I did know this was very, a moment in time, as I've said before, and it was probably limited and you get your 15 minutes of notoriety and fame and I've had more than most. So this was a moment. I enjoyed it. I remembered it. I think very fondly of it. Uh, and it, it's led to a lot of things, in the, you know, since then. And, you know, it wasn't really isolated, but it was the pinnacle really of, of, of that kind of um, uh, being involved in you know, film and TV and surfing and big wave surfing was a combination of, of, of that for me. It was amazing, man. Like yeah, sitting in Dublin no and Belfast. Was... It was, it was amazing. Like, oh, cool. I, I, lo- I loved every second of it. I, I wish I, I wish I was there now with all my, my buddies. <laughs> me and Gabe oh, drinking yeah. a couple of beers and yeah, it was fantastic. Who, you know, yeah. who doesn't want to experience that? We yeah, had the so... Malloy's on direct dial. Sorry, go ahead, John. I was just going to say, what's funny is that, you know, um, the, Chris's movie Thicker Than Water came out in 2000 and that was really my first experience um, with Irish surfing and even knowing that there was waves in Ireland and so after that I kind of it started being on my radar and I'd start you know every once in a while I'd look around uh, on the internet just looking for waves in Ireland and things like that and I can I, I can remember just one time googling Ireland surfing and it was it was around that time and, and there was a little um, it was like a little news clip from like the nightly six o'clock news. And it was this lady talking about that session with you and Gabe yeah. and Ullickmore. Um, yes. Yeah, sur- surfing so in Ireland. Can it- that's so yeah. cool. And now, now here we're talking about it. What? Yeah. 15 years it's, um, it's, it sits somewhere, you know, it's not quite rugby or soccer or Gaelic football, but it, it has an, still is it's very accepted by the national media which not every country it's not looked on you know some countries you go oh surfing and surfers layabouts useless and you know they get that stereotype oh yeah which it's, it's still true, not course. accepted it's still yeah, not accepted in the states <laughs> it, it's really accepted in ireland i mean it's you know you, you see it on sports broadcasts and you know i was lucky like the news will pick it up and and they they treat it properly yeah. so you know, it, it, it is it, it is um, enveloped by the media a little bit in Ireland, but in a good way. And it's not really chastised, which I really like. I guess they came at it fresh and didn't really have much before. You know, it really in the last 20 years, of course, there was stuff in the media about surfing before. 
but it is it is well respected and you know it compliments to to Irish journalists and Irish media you know online on TV on radio or on newspapers or printed or whatever you know they've always treated it with respect and I think that kind of comes from a lot of the you know earlier guys like the Britons Brian Britton and then through to guys like myself and Andy Hill and you know on to Conor Maguire and you know, we, we've tried to portray, uh, you know, professional fun side, but, you know, serious as well that you're not, you know, you're actually able, able to conduct yourself and speak. And, but anyway, getting back to the Malloy brothers, they, as you said, John, they are, they definitely have their place in um, Irish surfing history. Their grandmother is from Sligo, which is just on the cusp of Bundoran and, you know, they're, they're lovable. They're big teddy bear boys who were, you know, when I met them first time, they were, Billabong USA and they went to Hurley and then on to Patagonia and I mean they're they're amazing fellows they've they're kind of half cowboys half surfers producers directors they were involved with Jack Johnson and Ben Howard or not Ben Howard I can't think of the other uh, fellow the Ben Harper that's right Ben Harper yeah Yeah, and and their you know cousin Emmett Malloy was an editor and and you know he was involved with George Lucas so they're this you know this grouping of fantastic um, fellows, you know, and they, they're, yeah. they're surfers and more. And so when they came to Ireland, they, they came, you know, on the back of the momentum generation. So they were one of those guys who had each yeah. had a, each had a section in a Taylor Steele movie. So it was incredible to see them. I mean, I remember Chris coming into me and I didn't, I recognized him. I'm like, Oh, you're one of the Malloy's. He's like, Hey, yeah, yeah. What's your name? And I'm Richie. And oh, this is Dan and Chris and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, you like left-handers? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, there any good left- is there any good left-handers here? I'm like, yeah. Okay, let's jump in the van and go surf. And, you know, they ended up, yeah. you know, sitting in our house as Kevin has. And, yeah, I, I love the Malloy brothers. They're, they're, they're the kind of surfers I like. Not that everyone needs to be multi-talented, but, my God, those boys, they've got yeah. a very broad career. Incredible surfers, but incredible, uh, incredibly gifted guys from music to production to design to surfing to ranching with horses i've been on the ranch a few times and you know it's it's like being in the wild west so amazing guys and you know they're all married guys now with young families a little bit like brad gerlach i don't see them much and you know they're not hugely on social media You, you see them on um instagram a little bit but you know Hopefully in the future I get to see him again uh, a little bit with a little bit more rapidity than I have in the last ten years. But no, th- those guys deserve credit. They they lifted Irish surfing or its perception from you know this wrong to the next one, and they definitely have a uh, a place in Irish surfing history. Probably the more modern side of it, but I've I've maximum respect for the Malloy brothers uh, they ac- yeah. absolutely fit the mold and Keith has been out we've brought him out for uh fish people and he, we oh. had a good time man I mean, he was he was actually <laughs> carrying on with the best of them that whole weekend man uh, like this is this is a, a, a you know uh, obviously not an over 18 show so we yeah. keep it very, very good but uh, <laughs> Keith, Keith and I have a long long history of um naughtiness shall we say both in <laughs> california and in ireland so keith my uh wingman or or i was his wingman for uh, a few adventures over the years i i love keith he's a Lovely. really good guy yeah man it's, it's yeah. good it's good to hear that um 
I could talk to you for two hours, but I want to <laughs> ask you, like, what are you, uh, what are you working on now? And I know other than your two projects, Kai and Ellie and uh, Ella. Yeah. Look at it. You know, I, I try to, I'm not overly negative as a person. Uh, it's probably something that my mother drilled into me from a young age. So I do try and uh, pull the positives out of a year and it hasn't been a good year for anyone. Um, but, you know, my kids have really not been in school for half of this year because of COVID, but, you know, daddy day daycare and maybe homeschooling them has been interesting but i've just used it really wisely i'll never forget it you know i play football with my young fella and and we surf with it myself ella and kai go surfing and i was really able to spend a lot of time with them uh, which can drive you bonkers as well so you know i've really enjoyed that that time uh with me i haven't been able to work much thank god my wife has got a good job and just keeping (laughs) keeping keeping us afloat but um you know, outside of that, I have, I suppose, you know, you get to a certain age and you think, you know, a little bit of surfing philanthropy comes into it. And so in that vein, I, I, I probably back in March, April time, I started posting up a few things on Facebook, you know, little story snippets, and they got a really good reaction, you know, a photo of, you know, 30 years ago with Curran or whatever it would be. I'm loving them. They're so good. Um, yeah, they're really good. And then, uh, you know, people have, my wife especially has said, Rich, you should, you should write a book someday. And, you know, I'm, I'm not, I've never been the world champion or, you know, I'm very limited in, in a global sense when it comes to surfing, but I have had lived an interesting life and, you know, I've had my own ups and downs with surfing, mostly ups and, and been there at pivotal, pivotal moments in Irish surfing and, and I guess European big wave surfing. So, you know, of all these really funny stories about uh, funny and interesting about just traveling. And so I've spent the last year kind of writing, writing a book, I suppose. And you have to be careful. Is it a megalomaniac book about yourself? And, you know, I put it down some days and goes, who wants to read that rubbish? Who the hell would want to read about me and my adventures around the globe? But, you know, I've come back to it. And I I've do. used I mean. a, a few, yeah, a few people have said it's really good. And I've used Facebook as a sounding board. So it's got a really good reaction. And there's a friend of mine, a, a guy who had the misfortune to sit beside me in primary school, a fella called Mark Egan. <laughs> He's a really good lad. He's from Bondor and he doesn't surf. He's a musician, a historian. He's a lecturer in college. And he, he asked me to write for a local community and Facebook page called Historical Bondorn. He just gave me a broad blank sheet and said, I want you to write a few weeks on kind of the history of surfing in our area. You know, it doesn't have to be chronological, write how you want. So I wrote some original pieces for him. But this is all new to me. I mean, it's not new to an Irish person to be able to write, but this is all all new to me and uh, I'm just trying to work it out. I love to read like yourself, Kevin. I'm sure you're the same, John. And, you know, I have my face stuck in a book, but that doesn't automatically, if you love listening to music, doesn't mean you're going to be a good singer. Yeah. If, you love reading, <laughs> if you love reading books, doesn't mean you're going to be a good writer, but I really enjoy it. And, you know, I would say I've got the first draft of a book pretty much done, but obviously getting it to the next stage uh, to, I don't want to have to self-publish. I'd like to, to get it out there you know maybe an irish publisher or an international one eventually and um, it's a hard book to pigeonhole you know it's not a sports bio it's not like a football or a rugby or you know a, you know an ice hockey sports bio it's more a travelogue with political content in it surfing as a mainstay and just characters along the way so i've kind of written it in that in that rhythm and uh, i don't know it might never see the light of day kevin i think i'm going to send you a chapter or two in the next few weeks i, I have but, to say but maybe it will uh, maybe it will as a person who's actually uh taking a stab at writing some stuff 
the hardest part is actually getting it on the page and uh and the shitty first draft is is often the most important part of the process and your quote first drafts on facebook i mean i know those aren't the pros that'll end up maybe in the book but it's you've already found a voice that is clear concise uh engaging it's like yeah, I would completely read a whole book of this and I'm ready for more. I, I very rarely do I click the more, you know, tab on Facebook, but uh, I find my doing, you know, I find myself doing that with all of yours. So they're, you know, keep it up and absolutely persistence will pay off in that respect. I can't wait to read the book. We'll have you well, back yeah, on. I, when... I think that uh, Bill Finnegan's, uh, you know, Barbarian days. Barbarian days is proof that there's lots of people that want to read about that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Myself, it comes from myself a included. And uh, yeah, just please tell me that the cover of the book is, is you in some kind of a Celtic skirt on the beach <laughs> with a broadsword. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, I, you know what? If I have to appeal to the American market, that's going to be the cover. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Would you get away with it in Ireland though? But <laughs> hopefully someday, but I, I enjoy writing Kevin and enjoy it. It flows. I, I don't find it hard to write. And, I do see connections and I try and write it with history, local history, what was going on internationally, politics, people, experience waves, but write it quite humorously because I do see humor in life. Oh, I do yeah. see yeah, the, thank you. God, the funny yeah. side yeah. and I, I can see that the humorous connections, especially where I grew up in Ulster, you know, during the troubles in Northern Ireland, which we haven't touched on at all, which is fine. But, um, you know, it wasn't, it probably wasn't the, the most normal area for a surfer to grow up in and, you know, when there was the border was closed or not closed, but it was heavily um, militarized. And, I mean, you guys were five okay. kilometers away from the border, right? Correct. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, not that I care about religion, but, you know, a lot of the surfers in Northern Ireland were from quite, uh, quite, I suppose, quite loyalist areas of Northern Ireland on the North mm -hmm. Coast. And we were from Republican towns like Bundorn and, you know, in, in normal life, never the twain shall meet, but surfing was the common denominator and there was mm. great friendships and stories and just really funny stuff. Kind of some of it dangerous and some of it not, you know, probably from the outside in. I remember bringing American cousins up into Northern Ireland and they, Jesus, they, they nearly, <laughs> they nearly lost their, their bowels. You know, they were so scared, and but it was natural for us. So there's a whole funny side to that as well that, you know, definitely now when you you sit back in hindsight and you look at it, it you know, to us it was normal. But, um, you know, when I've told these little anecdotal stories once or twice, you know, they get a good reaction and, uh, you know, putting them more collectively through either book um, can do no harm. So I don't think that side has really been written uh, before. And it was it was extremely important, important growing up in Ireland and, and having those kind of connections, especially sports like surfing rugby in ireland hockey you know a lot of sports don't have that all all ireland uh, connectivity even our olympic team doesn't have it soccer doesn't have it so surfing stood apart and uh, you know all went under the same flag whether you were protestant catholic nationalist loyalist so there's a very there was some very very huh. interesting uh, moments in my life and before characters before um so I've incorporated a lot of that in it as well which makes it gives it a much broader appeal than just surfing yeah. yeah. And, but as a surfer, as a hardcore surfer, I surfed my whole life and I've been fortunate. I've traveled a lot of places in the world. Um, those are the kind of things in a, in a book that are appealing to me, like as, as diehard a surfer as I am, 
I don't, I, I mean, I love reading the, the stories about finding great waves and things like that, but it's the stories in between those and how okay. you as a surfer experienced them and, and got through them. That, that's the stuff that's fascinating to me because yeah. I, I did a lot of similar stuff. And so I'm always keen to, to, you know, see how somebody else perceived it and, and navigated it and stuff like Correct. that. So yeah. I think that, you know, that lot, kind of stuff's essential. Yeah. A lot of sports bios surfing and otherwise get written now by ghost writers and they're formulaic. Um, yeah. Like I love, I love sports books. I read, you know, sports, rugby and soccer and football and whatever all the time. But, um, you know, then you come across one like William Finnegan's, uh, barbarian days and you go, yeah. You know, he, he, who's William Finnegan? No offense to him, but he's not Kelly Slater or he's not Tom Curran. Yeah. You know, he's, he's an unknown guy like myself or, you know, you guys or whatever. But he, he had some amazing tales of, yeah. you know, traveling through Asia and Indonesia and, you know, in, in Northern California. And, you know, it's, it's, as you say, it was a Pulitzer Prize winner, I think. And, uh, yeah. you, you know, it's an amazing book. I've, I've recommended it to loads of friends over the last few years. And, uh, you know, it, it stands out massively in any kind of sports sports uh, autobiography book but um you know obviously you take inspiration from that but um hopefully hopefully as i say in the future there may be a book coming coming uh, out of ireland and uh, i hope so that'd be great man i mean if we we can do anything to encourage you please please finish it because yeah (laughs) I love those things. <laughs> yeah, thank you very yeah. much. No, you're the you're the you're the one, or you know, one of a few people that in my in my life that I've looked to and said, I love to be a little bit more like Richie. I'd love to be more <laughs> like this this kind of like joie de vivre. You know, you've got that, uh, like you said, the positivity. Yeah. I mean, you're you're absolutely hilarious. I can't. I can't say a message exchange with you is not in it in a laugh or, uh, you know, a discussion. Um, my face hurts every time I get to see you. I absolutely love you. And I can't wait to see what comes of the book because we'll be, you know, first on the list to buy it. Awesome. So, man. Yeah. I'll be sending you copies. But listen, right, thank sure. you. I, I think we're up at our hour. Where are we? Or? Yeah. We're yeah, getting there. Yeah. yeah we're thank you. There, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. But that, Thanks thank a lot you, for coming on the show, man. And I appreciate you taking I, time. I hope to uh, be over to Florida. It'd be lovely to combine it with a trip to Disney. <laughs> yeah. oh, I mean, your absolutely. parents just absolutely. My kids, my kids like the parks, but I like them ten times more. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I remember. Yeah but, yeah. yeah, but listen, gentlemen, you have a, a good day, and thank you for your time, and thank you to everyone who listened, and I hope you understood. You may have to put subtitles, but who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Cheers, right, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks a lot, Rich. Cheers, Rich. Thanks, guys. Cheers. See you. Take care, everybody. All right. Well, that was fun having Richie on the podcast. We're so happy that he made time to do that. I'm sure you are, too. Enjoy your holiday, everybody. Uh, Florida Surf Film Festival is brought to you by Monster Energy and Rourke Revival. Yeti, Globe Footwear, Advent Health, Florida Virtual School, Atlantic Center for the Arts, many more on our website. Make sure you give them the support they deserve for making our community a priority. And, you know, have a great New Year's Eve, uh, a safe New Year's Eve, and an even safer 2021. We'll see you on the other side. You're a bum, you're a
Bye. 